Hi everyone, myself and Abby are back again. Hi. As promised last time, we have Nicole Chesworth, one of our pre-sales cybersecurity consultants, who is going to do a deep dive into the M365 E5 product features. I'll now hand over to Nicole. Hello everybody. I'm Nicole. I'm in the technical pre-sales team here at Bytes, and I focus primarily on understanding Microsoft security, um, what works well about it, what doesn't work so well about it, and which other vendors complement the Microsoft solutions. I'm continuing uh, the discussions and, and chats that you've, you've been on before with Abby and Ryan to go just a little bit deeper into what the Microsoft security suite and Microsoft compliance suite include. So hopefully you'll see on my screen something familiar to everybody, which is the Microsoft uh, licensing maps, if you can call it that. It's always just been the best way to understand the way Microsoft breaks down their licensing and also breaks down some of the features that they have. Um, so on the screen is essentially everything you would get in an E5 step up. So a full M365 E5 step up, step up. And to start, I guess the best way to get through it is, is starting from the bottom and working your way up. Um, I have to tell you that talking through all of the licensing on the screen can take me three hours. I exaggerate not, uh, but I won't be doing that to you today. What I will do is just go through the features and functionality at a high level. And of course, any other detail that you may require, you can just reach out to us. So to start on the bottom left, you'll notice this Microsoft 365 E5 security. Now this is one of the more common bundles when you're stepping into the security world that you would look at from Microsoft. And it includes quite a lot of really good features and functionality. Uh, we'll zoom in here just to, to get things going. You'll notice in the orange Defender for Office 365 Plan 1 and Defender for Office 365 Plan 2. Now, these plans would be what you would call Microsoft's way of securing email and collaboration. So you'll notice there's features that say anti-phishing, safe attachments, safe links. So this is to essentially check your files or your attachments, any documents stored in SharePoint and OneDrive, and any links in any of those collaboration apps that they don't have any malicious uh, intent behind them. They're not running any payloads. And generally, Microsoft will do that for Exchange, for SharePoint, for Teams, and for OneDrive. That at a high level is what you can expect to see from Defender for Office Plan 1. Plan two goes a little bit further in taking your security awareness training to another level. So you'll notice there's a feature called attack simulation training. You can essentially run a number of different phishing simulations against all of your users. Um, if they fall for any of those phishing simulations, they can then be automatically enrolled into training. And then hopefully they pass that training and then don't fall for those simulations again. Uh, but this is a good way to understand how well users are, are learning about the, the security world and also making sure that they understand what would be a phishing attempt or social engineering attempt as well. So attack simulation training is quite a big feature of the second plan. 
Um, but also what you could expect to see is a little bit more detail around the threats and campaigns, specifically in the email security side of things that are happening in your tenant. So campaign views would be around phishing campaigns, malware campaigns, and you'd have a great picture of what exactly is, is running, who's affected by that particular phishing campaign, who's clicked those links, who's opened up attachments that were unsafe, and you get quite a lot of detail around that. And that's also incorporating a lot of the threats, uh, threat explorer and threat trackers, as you see here, that is to give you just a little bit more detail on the threats you're currently exposed to, understand what threats are happening in and around the world and, and in your tenant and how they may be relevant to you. And you can search through that and get that information um, from within the Defender console. I guess it's important to say that any of the Defender plans that we talked through today are nicely unified under security.microsoft.com. So when you have all of them, you'll see a breakdown of Defender for Office, Defender for Endpoint, Defender for Cloud Apps, and that will all be in a single place to unify all of the alerts and incidents. And they work really, really well together. So that's Defender for Office Plan 1 and Plan 2, the email and collaboration security tool suite from Microsoft. If we swivel over a little bit to the to the left, what we have next is a plan called Entra ID Plan 2. Now, assuming you're already using Entra ID Plan 1, which includes all of the features and functionality for Entra ID, like MFA, single sign-on, self-service password reset, some of the important ones, conditional access, quite a big one. Entra ID Plan 2 takes it to another level. So you'll start to go into the world of identity governance, and there's three features mainly that that would fit into. So access reviews will be you running a scheduled workflow to all of the people that are responsible for users in your environment and their access. And you will basically say every quarter, does this person still require this access? Yes or no? And if they don't, then that access should get removed. Uh, I should say this is applicable to Entra ID as well. Entitlement management works in a similar way. So you can then decide and create policies to say who is entitled to request admin access, who is entitled to request global admin access, and then if you are not entitled, you simply cannot request that access and you will not and, and you will not be approved for it. The other one is privileged identity management, which, as you would expect, would be to manage all of your privileged roles, to do just-in-time access for those privileged roles. So if, for example, you only want it to be done for a task uh, or have global admin given for a specific task, and then after two hours, global admin is taken away. That would be how you do that. Privileged identity management will also track and audit all of the activities that privileged role is using and make sure MFA is enforced. A limitation, though, of, of privileged identity management is that it will only work on Azure AD. Azure AD, I'm still getting used to saying Entra ID. Um, it will only work on Entra ID. It doesn't work on Active Directory on-prem or in any other infrastructure or cloud infrastructure environments. Two other really, really good features, quite important features 
Um, I'll start with identity protection. This is very much about understanding all of your intra-ID user accounts, if they've been exposed to the dark web um, or if credentials have been leaked, if session tokens have been stolen and all of a sudden a user is logging in from another continent and then another continent within the space of a minute, understanding that impossible travel and the risk to those identities is, is quite a really good feature function of, of ID protection. So you understand all risky users, whether they're low, medium or high risk, and you can put policies in place to say if they're medium risk, then they should follow a certain path through conditional access, or maybe they should MFA again or change their password. And it integrates extremely well with risk-based conditional access. So now when conditional access is based on maybe device compliance or user location, you can add another level to it by saying, Yes, they're in the light location, they have a compliant device, but also their user account is not considered to be at a high risk. Allow them access to your data or to your applications. Um, to the right of that, Defender for Identity is essentially trying to fulfill a similar role as ID protection, but it is doing that for Active Directory controllers, so your domain controllers sitting on premise you would deploy a sensor to those domain controllers and it would essentially monitor how those user accounts are behaving. It acts like a user behavior analytics tool to a degree. So any activity that is done with a user account is added to a risk profile. Any abnormal activity increases the, the score of that risk profile until at some point you absolutely have to investigate why an account is behaving in a weird way. So Defender for Identity, does that really well, but for Active Directory on-premise. Defender for Cloud Apps, this is a product that, to be fair, I could spend an hour on its own just talking about, but the role that it fulfills is for a cloud access security broker. So what it is doing is it is understanding all of the SaaS applications or cloud applications that your users are using, um, what they're uploading and downloading from those applications. And it allows you to put in controls, like for example, if they access Outlook from a device you don't know, they might not be allowed to download from Outlook. Or if they access SharePoint from a device you don't know, they might not be allowed to upload to that environment. So you can do session controls, you can monitor compliance of different applications. It gives you details on whether things like Dropbox are compliant to a certain standard. You can then allow or block those applications to be used, but important to remember that to allow or block, you absolutely have to be running Defender for Endpoint on the endpoints for that to work. They have some other mechanisms in place to monitor AWS, Google Cloud, um, Azure as well for misconfigurations, measuring against best practices, measuring against compliance standards. So it's really quite a quite a big product and quite relatively good product. But I would only you know mention that for it to work for your users and for user management and control or access control, you have to be running Defender for Endpoint on each of those endpoints, um, which leads us nicely onto that actually. So. Defender for Endpoint would be your endpoint security solution from Microsoft. Uh, it's quite an advanced solution. 
and it includes endpoint detection and response. And this is quite important for the more modern malware attacks. Signatures cannot pick them up in anymore. You need to have something on the on your device that understands how a document should behave or how a script should behave, for example. So endpoint detection and response understands behaviors and it can pick up when something strange is happening, like a document starting uh, a shell or um, a document starting a service, things that wouldn't normally be, be natural, so to speak. So endpoint detection and response is included in Defender for Endpoint Plan 2. I should say the Plan 2 features will naturally include the Plan 1 side of things. So any uh, malware checks, any scans that you run that are already a part of Plan 1 would also be a part of Plan 2. But a few things that are not commonly added to an endpoint security solution is vulnerability management. So running scans of that particular device to understand which applications have not been patched or what CVEs are potentially exploitable on that device. So this piece works really, really well to scan your endpoints and you get really great dashboards on which devices are exposed to which CVEs, prioritized you know, dashboards around what you should focus on, what will make the biggest impact to get patched. And it includes a, a slight link into Intune where you can create a task for whoever is managing Intune to make sure something is patched in the next patch cycle. So vulnerability management works really, really well. The other thing that isn't commonly included is threat analytics, which Microsoft, I think, does really well because they are the largest target in the world, but they use that information to give you a picture of all of the threats that are happening around the world. So you will see when you open up security.microsoft.com under the threat analytics tab, all of the threats happening in and around the world, but it will tell you specifically which threats could be affecting you. So you'll see something like Move It, which was quite a big one. It will show you which devices are susceptible to Move It, um, how you should patch them or remediate that if, if that's what's required. And it gives you a lot of detailed information around the threat itself and what can be done about it. So I think that's quite nice that you wouldn't need to necessarily add on another threat analytics tool to be able to do that for you. A few things you can expect in an, a good endpoint solution is that automated ability to investigate. So if it picks up a piece of malware on one device to immediately go and check all of the other devices around that and make sure that you have a unified view of the incident and whether that incident has been remediated. Just like that, I've already been talking for half an hour and we're still on security. So I'll make sure I get through this quickly um, around the compliance piece. So you'll notice E5 compliance is broken down into three main bundles. Usually customers start with the information protection and governance bundle. And they tend to start with this primarily because of Teams DLP being one of them and rules-based classification being the other. I'll explain why. So in your current E3 licensing, if you want to put in a mechanism to stop people sending personal information, you can do that with data loss prevention policies for Exchange, for SharePoint, and for OneDrive. 
Microsoft have separated the functionality to protect against that uh, data loss for Teams, and they've put it in this license. I couldn't really explain why they've made that choice. However, if you wanted to extend your policies to check chats and channels and make sure personal information isn't being sent, then you could use Teams DLP. Rules-based classification extends another E3 feature called information protection, where you are classifying and labeling your documents in any of the collaboration tools. Those labels that you create, you require a user to manually attach those labels to a document or to an email. And rules-based classification makes your life a little bit easier by you defining a rule to say, search through any document, if you pick up any personal information, automatically label that document as confidential or as whatever label you define. So this makes your life a little bit easier. Records management and data lifecycle management are there to essentially do what the label is. But if you have a need to manage records, to manage the retention of data and the life cycle of that data, whether it should be automatically deleted after a certain period of time for any of the collaboration tools, then data lifecycle management and records management will be there to do that. There are some key features where uh, I say key, double key encryption, customer key, for example, is if you wanted to incorporate your own private keys um, or your own keys, if you have your own HSM into the Microsoft uh, tenant, or maybe not use Microsoft's uh, keys at all and, and use your own. These are some of the features that could help do that. And message encryption advanced is, is quite a, a good feature in that if you've sent an encrypted message or have sent a message with an attachment and after the fact realize you don't want that to be accessed anymore, you can revoke that access with message encryption. Some insider risk management features that um, could be of interest, in particular, insider risk management is connecting it to your HR system, for example, and HR saying somebody is about to leave, it could then trigger a policy to monitor whether they start mass printing, mass copying data to a USB or copying to a, a cloud um, store. So Insider Risk has policies in place to monitor for data leakage, data theft, um, but there's also a number of other features like communications compliance, which looks at what type of information is being sent um, over your, your communications channels. So if, for example, you enabled some of the policies, you can do things like monitor for discrimination, monitor for harassment and bullying, but also monitor for information that meets a certain compliance standard, whether that should be sent or not, and put policies in place for that. Customer lockbox is mainly around uh, getting support from Microsoft if that happens a lot and restricting the data Microsoft has access to when they provide that support. It gives an additional workflow and level of, of management there. Information barriers. Um, usually when you have to ethically separate a group of people or people who may have a conflict of interest, you can put them into separate segments and limit what data they can send or communicate between each other. Of course, Creating an ethical segment doesn't stop them picking up the phone, but if you needed to prove that you have put any measures in place to, to do that, 
information barriers would be it. Um, privilege access management, I wouldn't necessarily say is what you would expect. It doesn't work as a traditional PAM tool. Um, it's still quite a, a young product, but it's supposed to essentially provide what privileged identity management does for intra-ID to do that on your domain controllers. But that is only for Exchange admins really at the moment. So that is quite a limited product. Uh, last but not least on e-discovery and audit, audit premium and e-discovery premium. This will just give you a year's more of, of audit storage where on uh, your audit core, I think it's called, it will only be a few months. An e-discovery premium where you currently run searches in an E3, for example, and export that data. E-discovery premium formalizes that process um, to do things like custodian management, uh, chain of, of custody of that data, showing what data was selected and exported, who was notified, um, and also include things like being able to do data redaction before that is exported for litigation. Uh, as, as a possibility. So that's that's another advanced product over there. Um, and then just at a high level, some of the other features you might expect to see in general on an E5, quite a lot on, on Teams and, and conferencing. That again could be an entire hour just talking through those functions. Power BI for your, your data management, data insights, as well as Viva. Um, insights for, for personal use. So at a high level, I think that is what you can expect from, from a full E5. I know I've kind of rattled through all of this very, very quickly, but there's a lot to get through there. And then just so you're aware, if you're considering an E5 security, there is this feature here called Sentinel Benefit. Um, and that is to collect all of your logs in a, in one place, and it functions as a, a a seam solution essentially. So this basically gives you uh, a number of uh, megs per user per month that you can ingest into Sentinel without incurring a cost. But at a high level, I think that's it. Of course, if you wanted to know more about any of these features or run through demos or trials, then naturally please reach out to us. But I hope that was helpful and thank you for listening. If you're interested in hearing more about the products within M365 Security or Compliance with Nicole, please reach out to Book In Some Time. Our next episode will be covering how Quantum 365 with Bytes can help you with your license optimization and much more. But for now, thank you for listening to this podcast and hope you enjoyed it. We have a lot more conversations happening in our other podcasts, which are available on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Speak to you soon.